0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week.
1: Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in caverns deep below the metro area it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 643 of the two-headed nerd comic book podcast I'm the internet's Joe Patrick and I might know more about Doctor Who than today's theme and I'm head
0: number two my name is Matt Baum and I definitely know more about the history of the British Bulldogs tag team than the comics we are reading today <laughs>
1: The Cosmic Longbox is back, so we're discussing classic comics with a theme, and this time, prim and proper listener Bryce Setron suggested we cross the pond to jolly old England for a deep dive into the Marvel UK titles of the 1990s. And finally,
0: we'll hit you with our must-read comic picks for next week, but now it's time to button our vests... Brush off our bowlers and tut-tut into the comic time stream because it's Cosmic Long Box Review Time! It's a cigarette!
1: Marvel UK began publishing reprints of American comics in the 1970s which would prove to be very popular. In the 80s, Marvel UK would start publishing monthly titles, including UK exclusives like Alan Moore's Captain Britain, The Real Ghostbusters, Thundercast, that is, all of those things are very strange. Yeah. And their biggest hit, Simon Furman's Transformers, which was selling 200,000 issues monthly at one point, and it surpassed. The American version of yeah. the Transformers comic by something like 300 issues. Yeah, and not the sales blew the American version away too. out of the water. It's crazy. It was the 90s when Marvel UK shined brightest eh, under editor in chief Paul Neary. Oh, that explains something I had a question about later in the show. Who launched a whole line of new monthly superhero comics during the comic boom of again the early 90s. In 1993, Marvel brought these titles to American shelves to huge success, but it was just in time for the comic bust that leveled the market. By 1994, all the titles we are discussing today were canceled, and by 1999, Marvel UK was dead. However, I was pleasantly surprised to learn uh, that some of these characters survived and have appeared in modern comics. Oh, the characters uh, have, yeah. It's just Marvel yeah, UK. Like, like Kill, Kill Power showed up in Captain Britain in MI-13 Yeah. Uh, by Paul Cornell.
0: God bless him. <laughs>
1: we'll God talk about him. Kill Power in a little bit. <laughs> Today, we're taking a look at Marvel UK's biggest success and last hurrah. It's not the last hurrah. These all came out within the first year. <laughs> Matt, let's get into Marvel's British Invasion.
0: Let's start off with Plasmer, number one from Marvel UK. I wish we wouldn't, but okay. The year for this was all of these premiered in nineteen ninety three, so we're not going to tell you. The no, year,
1: no, actually, they, they premiered from they they started in ninety two in England. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then in 1993 was the first big crossover. So Plasma was actually one of the later. Oh, uh, gotcha. Was one of the later ones in the first wave. So It's confusing. It doesn't matter.
0: There's probably an order that I should have read these in, but that order does not exist on the internet. Right. And, no,
1: it's impossible to know if you're not looking at the fine print.
0: And I guarantee after this episode, we know more than anyone living today Aside from maybe the creators who are still around. Except for Paul Neary, (laughs) yes. About Marvel UK. This was written by Glenn Dakin with art by Pascal Ferry. Yes, that Pascal Ferry. In the process of attempting to increase her own abilities through a combination of magic and science, Dr. Una Malarkey. Gotta remember that name if I ever have a little girl. Split herself into good and... She sounds like a Willy Wonka character. Kind of. She split herself into evil and good halves. Her original body retained the evil personality, while the good aspects were given a form made of a protoplasm-like substance. Plasmer. A a -er, plasmer, if you will. (laughs) After a brief journey of self-discovery, she found and freed Jack Smithers, who told her that her other self was trying to release a group of artificial giants known as the British Sleepers that might destroy the world. Una Malarkey seems to be a popular character in the Marvel UKU. Here, she was working for the shady Miss Tech group When she accidentally split herself into good and evil versions, Dakin writes the good half like a child, sort of figuring out how to control its new powers in some extremely unfunny moments. Characters are introduced without rhyme or reason, like captain kerosene for example what what what, what? <laughs> he impersonated the original human torch during world war ii no, no 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 he filled in he filled in not impersonated. oh i thought they said he impersonated no he was like a pinch hitter oh okay <laughs> he filled in for toro when toro i guess wasn't available or yeah he has
1: like his his Puberty was, I haven't given him a real bad time. I'm taking a a mental health day,
0: you guys. Okay. Yeah, right. (laughs) Now, this is the first issue. You would never know it. The story opens with Malarkey splitting herself in two for unknown reasons and immediately confuses the reader as to which persona is good or bad. (laughs) And you can't
1: tell by looking. No way. Like she's strapped. Like the first time you see her in this book, she is strapped to a Frankenstein table. And you have to wonder. Who manacled those manacles? Like she well, didn't she's do like
0: on a cross thing, like standing up yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah so like she, she got her, up she there, strapped down. <laughs> I don't get she's it. Strapped down. Yeah. Also, the cover doesn't help at all, as it shows two of the good versions: one which is a monster, one which is Amazon Plasma. Is
1: like pla- like Plasmer is the one that shows up in the weird outfit, the, sp- the skimpy outfit, but then uh, she also turns into this weird like Hulk twenty ninety-nine looking yeah. thing. We come to find out that Una was trying to get info from Jack
0: Smithers, who is a World War One agent who knows mm-hmm. about the sleepers, which right. I guess is why Una was experimenting on herself because she couldn't extract yeah. that info. So what do you do? A bunch of weird magic and science instruments.
1: Like, <laughs> like, it's like me. it's it's certainly there are certainly no other ways to get, get that information no. from a human being.
0: The sleepers are statues that appear to be war memorials, but are actually giant robots programmed for destruction
1: yes yeah. and that's all you need yeah. to know that's it it's, we don't know who made them it's a whole another thing <laughs> I'm, i'll i'll mention i'll have a little bit of i'll have a tiny little story time about the sleepers when you're done
0: the dialogue moves from the ridiculous when dealing with evil malarkey and nameless Mistech soldiers chuckling about plasma in her monster form <laughs> tripping on her own feet to cheeky attempts at humor as captain kerosene is having a fit of his own because He also wants the secrets of the sleepers, I guess. Pascal Ferry is an amazing artist. And while it's not fair to judge someone this early in their career, I cannot call this art anything but terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard-edged, unfinished-looking characters with terrible face work and even worse design. Now, I have a feeling Fairy doesn't like to look back at this one. <laughs> plasma, the good portion of Una, made of plasma, not only names herself, but chooses an Amazonian form with huge 90s hair and a V-neck so deep it goes down, All the way to her actual V. Marvel blacked out the V on the cover, but inside the book, you get to see it all, baby. (laughs) You don't get to see the V. No, but I mean, like, it goes right past her, like, you know, her belly to a very low portion of a female where, if this were drawn correctly, we would be looking at her vagina.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, if... But that's assuming a lot about the art man. Right. Plasmer either hits the
0: ground running so fast that the reader is just expected to accept what's happening rather oh. than to try to understand, or perhaps the story started in another comic book and forgets to mention what you should read first. Either way, I can't give this a bigger leave it.
1: All right. So, okay. All right. Uh, I don't even know what order. Okay. I, all right. All right. Uh, so, the costume. Uh, I see what you're talking about here. Uh, it's filled in. Uh, in, the, in the, on the cover, the costume is on pink black. On the cover, yeah it's pink and black so that big that big like cut out in the middle is black in the actual comic she's got boob windows that yeah. go from the top to the bottom oh yeah all the way all down, the way down. <laughs> um and and you're right like if this were a human woman with human proportions you would be seeing things that you should not see in a comic book made yeah, for children like strippers uh, don't wear stuff like this before yeah, they take off their scantily clad clothes yeah right <laughs> they just don't <laughs> the sleepers the sleepers uh like marvel has done many stories about the sleepers Well, this is a thing except the sleepers as i have always understood them Were Nazi war weapons buried underground for some later purpose, and they lost the war before they had a chance to activate them? Okay, because they mentioned this is like a World War One. This is World War One, yes. And and this statue that gets activated is a normal sized man. Right, it's a statue of a normal sized man, Matt. And he's just like a World War One soldier. But they do show and a scene
0: where it grows giant. He
1: transforms into a gigantic yeah. robot. And, uh, but yeah, like there was a big storyline in Ed Brubaker's Captain America about the, them, uh, waking up the sleepers and, and he, he had to put them down. Um, but yeah, it, but I don't, this World War One stuff, I don't understand where any of that came from. Right. Um, and again, all we need is a box that says, see I mean, this it's and, and, I mean, and, and like, map bomb shuts up. <laughs> I go, all right. You know, it's like, <laughs> we'll, we're gonna uh, this will be a theme throughout this episode oh yeah there are some characteristics of marvel uk that um are prevalent in all or most of the books one is that um it just seems like a collection of familiar terms from the marvel universe right. with no actual knowledge of what those terms mean uh and also the plots are so convoluted as to become nonsensical. Yeah.
0: Um, And and so just like, it's like they started somewhere and you just know about it. But Marvel UK is like, they didn't start anywhere. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) um, Oh, and also uh, theme number three, most of these books pick up as though these characters had already been around for years. Uh, And literally uh, for years. And looking at the wikis, as I researched these comics, most of the characters we, uh, most of the characters appearing in the comics re-reviewed this week appeared for the first time in these comics. Yeah, Captain Karras, um, for example, first appearance, Plasma is Number One. Plasma Number One. Uh, I mean, with the possible exception of Doctor Malarkey, who appears in all of them. Um, and yeah, so it's it it's just. Friggin' bizarre man oh you didn't even touch on kill power oh i, I guess kill power doesn't talk yeah um we like we see yeah, kill power but it, it doesn't it's do a, anything. it's an uh, it's an illusion he just yeah. mentioned the whole thing is is very very strange pasquale fairy's art is not good no but you can like if you look at it hard enough you can see like oh that's something that that artist still does like you can you can see elements okay you can of- see
0: tricks that he does I'll oh, say no that.
1: like i'm not again i'm not saying it's good like it's not executed well no the, but you, the art is the art is bad but, can but i can see like right tricks style, that style stylistic still. elements that sure. he has improved upon um but no this comic is bad it's bad good Lord. it doesn't make any sense we've got a septuagenarian secret agent and a septuagenarian superhero they are not the same person no one is evil and one is good but you think that they are the opposite you think the good one is evil and the evil one is good throughout the entire book until the very fucking end. And as we'll learn about Una, she not only works for Mistech, she works
0: for another group too that works for Mistech.
1: And it's just like, what is well it's happening like it's like character? <laughs> it's like miss tech it's like miss tech is um you know miss
0: like disney basically. is miss tech and she works sure. for marvel i
1: mean yeah it's the, <laughs> yes i mean it's the same i just wanted well, she to she she for marvel that.
0: she works for marvel uk she which works is for owned right. by marvel which is owned right. by Disney. yeah yeah she works
1: for euro disney euro <laughs> disney um no uh this comic is bad uh, it's a leave it. It's uh, this is a complete misfire. I don't understand. What like Doctor malarkey was already a comically evil mad scientist. Why they also needed to turn her into into a terrible superhero? Right. Was it because she was so um, beloved in the other books? That up? cannot be. It can't. That, I refuse to accept that because as we're a reality. We're literally
0: gonna talk about like four or five more appearances of this character, and each yeah. time she is complete throwaway. Nothing.
1: I mean, she's like uh, she's like uh, uh, you know, like the 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 catalyst for the plot in a right. lot of cases,
0: but otherwise a non-entity. But like a name of someone who worked for I don't know Project Pegasus. Who gives a shit? Sure, right? Yeah, she's the sci-
1: <laughs> yeah, she's the scientist. She's the scientist supreme of AIM. You right. know, or, or except in this case, it's Mr. And now for something completely different. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on uh, to something better i i don't know hell's angel number one different uh something different uh hell's angel number one it's uh one of the first waves of books as far as i know it came out in uh, 92 it was a dollar 75 this book uh at some point would go from being called hell's angel hell's angel to being called dark angel and i don't know why but there i have a theory i don't know if it was i don't know if it was content related like they were like oh we got to like tame it up Or if it was, there's a character in the book called The Dark Angel. There's a book, so the character in the book called The Dark Angel. There was was also the TV show James Cameron's Dark Angel. There was
0: James Cameron's Dark Angel. (laughs) There was also an independent comic book called Dark Angel. So I have a feeling. That they couldn't get the comic book rights for yeah, it. I don't, so they went I don't like know Hell's Angel for a while. Because yeah. oh keep in mind, this is at a time when Marvel's like, Mephisto, no, he's not the devil. No,
1: he doesn't roll hell. Nothing like right, that. Yeah. No. Probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, why I mean, would I this guess, be Hell's Angel? I mean, I guess in England things are different. <laughs> Apparently. Um regardless. Only Paul Neary and writer Bernie J know for sure. And they are not um, talking. <laughs> they are not talking. Uh the art is by Jeff Sr. Here is uh some background that I Stole from the internet. Siobhan Haldane was the daughter of, oh, spoilers, I guess, was uh, the daughter of Randolph, not Randolph, Randolph.
0: Ranulph. Ranulf, <laughs> perhaps. All the Renolf. names. Can we, yeah. When we're done, we'll talk about the names, but my God.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, it, I'm not going to make fun of the names. It might be a cultural thing, but Ranulf, yes. Randolph Haldane, one of the seven members of Miss Tech, uh, one, specifically the Mistech board of uh, directors, yes. which sold their souls to the Hell Lord Mephisto for immortality. Ranulf and the others agreed to supply Mephisto with souls for extended lives. While working upstairs in the laboratories of Mistech, Siobhan heard a ruckus coming from downstairs in her father's secret laboratory. She rushed in to see her father killed by Mephisto. Ah. She was approached by the Angel of Death, Dark Angel, Guardian of Souls who leave the mortal plane via the portal of death. Thank you, Wiki, because I'm not sure that was explained properly in the
0: comic. <laughs> it was not at all. It just kinda showed up. And it's like, Is that you, the Spectre? And like, no, no, what name? Don't don't say that name. I am the Dark Angel. Is that
1: you, <laughs> Thanos's girlfriend, Death? Like, still nope. no. Also, no. It's me, oh, yeah, the Dark it's Angel. Also no, right. Uh, the Dark Angel had arrived too late to claim Renolf's soul for whatever her own purposes are. He disclosed the truth about her father's activities and later offered Siobhan a shred of the fabric of the universe. Hey, just like the masked raider, <laughs> thus granting her the great power to oppose the sinister Ms. Tech. It sure seems like there's a lot of people that are just handing out.
0: Like cosmic power
1: yeah like here's a pe like like here's a literal piece of the fabric of all existence sure. just don't mess it up and you, don't and, don't do anything bad with and it. then you know what you get
0: when you get that, you get yeah. armor and guns and goggles
1: <laughs> and uh and uh and a body that's like a portal to the netherworld right like, like Which, uh the flash villain chunk leads me to wonder like is she related to like angel
0: punisher that same story where he had like angel guns and stuff is that just I, a I thing in the marvel universe <laughs> that's, it's not a thing it's definitely
1: not uh the angel also gave her body armor yeah that yeah. would help her command her new powers realizing that she now had the power of angels to fight hell on earth is that what the angels do i don't know uh she took the name hell's angel uh uh, uh, like i said earlier a running theme this week will be how completely incomprehensible a lot of these books are uh fortunately bernie jay's script for hell's angel number one is one of the lesser offenders stiff only slightly. I, but uh, I totally agree. Like,
0: they spelled out an order. I ag- like, I was able to follow this comic. Yes. I right. I went, okay, that is the origin of this character, and it makes some semblance of sense. Like, I don't
1: know why these <laughs> things have I don't know why she's got goggles and, like, the the female symbol on her outfit. Or well, it's an like, onk, is
0: what it is. It,
1: it's like I guess it's, an on- it's not, though, an onk. It's, it's like not a, an onk. It's like a weird stylized
0: onk or something. I, I suppose. I don't uh, know. I don't know.
1: Um, uh, but well, hey, look, you know, she had some design input in the in the costume. And that's great. That doesn't mean that it's good by any means. No, uh, the X-Men appear inexplicably uh, because that's what you do when you're launching uh, when you're Marvel launching a new line of tiles in 1992. Uh, but everything about them reads like a Mad Lib constructed <laughs> from familiar terms, not actual character knowledge. Professor X summons the team because Cerebro has possibly maybe detected a quote, new strain of mutant. What the
0: fuck does that even mean? Like it's a,
1: (laughs) like it's the fucking, like it's COVID. Uh, And he's talking about hell's angel, by the way, whose powers come from magic and technology. Right. Uh, This meeting obviously occurs in the danger room where I guess Charles gets all of his faxes from Cerebro. I don't know. Uh, Siobhan can't believe that her father spent 1000 years feeding souls to Mephisto despite the fact that she lives in the most evil looking castle on the face of the planet earth. And she sleeps in a bed that's literally surrounded by gigantic demonic statues. It
0: looks like Dracula's castle
1: like i mean like, and you never asked think, any like questions. even even dracula didn't have like gigantic
0: stone snakes no i'll give you that dracula tried to keep it pretty cool so he could have orgies and shit you know yeah <laughs> right like dracula yeah. was trying to impress the ladies <laughs> right this guy uh, the, b- like, the black we live in an evil
1: castle <laughs> this is right yeah it's like all right wolverine programs a robotic version of himself <laughs> uh, uh to test Siobhan. and of course it has actual adamantium claws and tries to cut her in half sure Uh, Here's a dramatic reading of Logan's dialogue when confronted about his actions only slightly exaggerated for comedic effect. Quote, I cannot tell a lie, professor. T'was I who programmed the robot. (laughs) I'll let you guess which part of that I added. I guarantee you, uh, you will not get it right on the first try. (laughs) Jeff Senior's art is pretty nice and definitely informed by his peers at the time: Gary Frank, Brian Hitch, definitely, uh, with a little bit of Jim Lee thrown in for good measure. It's when Senior isn't directly aping one of these other artists that things get a little wonky. There's some weird faces. It's it's yeah. yeah. Uh, Hell's Angel number one is a very strange comic that makes a lot of very strange choices, but it's pretty to look at for the most part. I kind of had fun reading it. I'm giving it a skim it. So Hells Angel, I read after I read all my stuff,
0: I read Hells Angels number one. And I went, oh, this is the first comic book that sort of almost kind of feels like a Marvel comic book.
1: <laughs> it's also it's also one of the the rare ones that actually felt
0: like a first issue. Right. Like it told a story. And I will give it huge points for that, because as you're going to see by some of the other stuff we've read, you would it could have been issue 572 that we picked up. Sure. <laughs> know. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I will for give sure. Hell's Angel props for that. The art was not bad. It was very 90s. It was trying to very be 90s, very yeah. 90s. The choices that they made it's like i feel like i can't even talk about that until the very end
1: because there's so many more choices
0: we're well, going to talk and, about like, <laughs> yeah and uh, like
1: and i guess like if i'm being if i'm being fair i can probably think of a lot of american 90s comics that were also like Oh, like they had, they just had too many ideas and they couldn't pick one, oh, sure. so they picked all of them. But the thing right? of it is, it's like they're trying to just insinuate this shit,
0: like especially into the X Men here. They're like, "Oh, Hell's Angel, we trust you implicitly. <laughs> Let's do all this stuff together." Right? You know, like, right? Yeah. Why? I, I, <laughs> like, like You have uh, no. Like, the
1: X Men literally have no business. Whatsoever. Well, uh, there's, that, there's, that through, there's that throwaway line about them thinking that they she might possibly maybe be a mutant, and they want to bring her back to the X-Mansion to test her. Give me a break. Uh, it, uh, but yeah, it's dumb. It, the only reason there is for sales. Yeah, this is skim nah, it yeah. from me, but I will say
0: one of the more successful books that we will address today. If that tells you anything about what's to come. That's fair, yeah, fair. <laughs>
1: Speaking of which, Black Axe, number one. Uh, Look, you and me are going to differ on this one, I think. Okay, this
0: is written by Michael Bennett and this is written by Michael Bennett and Simon Jowett, drawn by Edmund Perryman. Robert Hyde is an immortal assassin that has walked the earth for a millennia, wearing a battle armor he may have built in the past with technology that is not revealed here. (laughs) He also carries what he calls an axe but if you picture an axe you know what it looks like it's got a handle it's got like you know yeah, an axe yeah. i mean it's, it's an axe, a- it's, right
1: it's an axe in the same way that the guns in gears of war are chainsaws there
0: is okay i would argue the guns and gears of war have what is obviously a chainsaw on the edge of it like i could look and say like there is a chainsaw on that <laughs> there is yeah, nothing yeah. axe about (laughs) what this character carries
1: i mean it is it is very impractical to use as an actual you know it is cutting tool it it is an impossible to wield massive
0: piece of tech that shoots lasers and has a blade
1: but no handle (laughs) i can't explain what this looks like i think it's got i think it's got handles like like Captain America's shield has straps, right? But like they, on the backside. I think he was like draw, holding it on the back. They draw him handling it so nah, many no, different No, I know. Ways. And, it's like, and my my favorite thing about the whole like, oh, it's a gun. Oh, what? It's a gun. Um, is that in order for it to act as a gun, he has to hold the thing vertically, right? So he is holding. Uh, ba- it's like um, have you ever watched TV and seen the Highland Games and seen the caber toss? Yeah, it looks like he's in the sort caber of, toss. Yes. Hide <laughs> is
0: part Batman with a Scottish castle Complete with a black axe cave Full of tech And even yeah. a trusty butler He saved as a child during World War II There's a very Highlander vibe here Yeah, yeah The right. story flashes back to Black Axe When he was hired by Miss Tech Back in 984 AD When they had just become immortal But they all seem to have Very future tech
1: so I don't know if they were traveling. Well, that's their thing that then. their whole. Well, OK, yeah, we will actually get into that a little bit in your Warheads review. But they are a, they are a techno mystical organization, right. which means they have technology um, that they enhance with mysticism and also that they have plundered from throughout. Time. And also they are immortal and also they travel
0: time. Well, no, they're just immortal. They don't travel time. Okay, well, back in 984 AD, they had some pretty high-tech shit going on. No, it's true. Here, Hyde encounters Death's Head, who is also working for Mistech, and sends Black Axe packing after shooting him with something off-panel. Yeah. Once again, I felt like I was dropped in the middle of a story with an ageless merc battling nameless cyborgs with a weapon that doesn't even look like a goddamn weapon, and some of the worst art I've ever seen. There's pov panels that are so bad here there's like a scene where a nameless cyborg woman is supposed to be pointing a gun at a nameless worker's head and her arm looks like it's four and a half feet long and the gun isn't even pointing at the guy (laughs) there were some panels that were just complete blobby nonsense where black axe is Breaking into somebody's headquarters where they have cybernetic monsters and I can't even tell what is happening. And a story that not only doesn't reveal much about the character, but it leaves you wondering if you learned anything about them in the end. The first time that we see Black Axe, there's a narration box and it says... He is the ultimate assassin, the ultimate mercenary. After 50,000 years of practice, he is a master of his profession. He's a towering immortal warrior with a state-of-the-art armor. With state-of-the-art armor, he's a monster with a high-tech battle axe and a millennia of attitude. He is Black Axe! And after he mows through some nameless troops... Maybe Miss Tech could be another group that works out of an Atoll. I don't really know. The ultimate assassin gets his ass kicked by death's head. Then he runs away, only to get his ass kicked again. Oh, this, is, uh,
1: this, hy- this is Hydra in the first scene. Oh, was it? Yeah, so if you were talking about yeah, so this okay, first well, I scene is in the the first t- uh, they make one reference to Hydra in the in the scene where she's pointing the gun at the guy. She says, "Hydra can't be made to look like amateurs." Oh, good lord. Uh so they are Hydra. Does uh, anyone know so like she day. has
0: like a robot eye and shit like She's got a cyborg guy, yeah. Yeah. The ultimate assassin gets his ass kicked by Death's Head, and then he runs away, only to get his ass kicked again by the Sisters of Grace,
1: who represent Mistech. The Sisters of Grace—they show up, and they're like, "Uh, yo, they are worried that you are giving up on your contract, and we are here to smack you around to make sure you understand." So, you like, still- everybody can beat up yeah. Black Axe, even though he's this total fucking badass. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bla- <laughs> so far Black Axe is not very impressive. And
0: then in the end, he gets on a passenger jet. To fly to Japan to fix his axe, which means he either checked it or carried it on. <laughs> this is—I don't this know is, what I read. This it's is pre-9/11. This is monumentally bad, and I. This is cannot, pre- this
1: pre-9/11. I can't believe this comic book got printed. This is such a leave it. I liked this a little bit more uh, than you, but I also I uh, like I obviously like. Picked up on a few more things. Like, I understood that, yeah, he was working for Mistech and he was raiding this Hydra Atoll. The scenes
0: where he was Uh, in the armor raiding the Atoll. Could you tell what was going on at all? Well, I mean, I could tell he was fighting creatures.
1: Could you? Because I couldn't even tell what was his face. (laughs) yeah because when he is in battle mode he's got some weird thing covering his face and so it just looks like he has no head it doesn't even yeah it's just like Um, a block
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he looks like
1: he looks like a mandroid except you can't like at least with mandroids they have like a little eye hole you can see right it looks like Um, jack kirby at his craziest if jack kirby sucked at
0: drawing (laughs) sure yeah that's that's fair
1: I I think maybe you judged the story a little, a little harshly, but you know, you're whatever it's, it's fair. The art is very weird. I, but I like, there are, maybe it's just like, I have a different eye for this sort of thing. Um, But I could definitely tell that this guy was a talented artist, but maybe comics was not his first love. Like like some of these back like these backgrounds are all fleshed out oh, oh, a lot of them are fleshed out um and they're like really impressive looking like techno backgrounds but then there's also like these scenes where i guess this is supposed to be fog yeah uh, i'm looking at he, that same scene he, right now all, and it's just like <laughs> <Fuzz>. hash marks <laughs> <Yeah>. that, uh, <laughs> But um yeah and and um I I also definitely kind of see that he was inspired by Barry Windsor Smith yeah you uh, can especially see some Barry Windsor Smith and and the way that he draws the deti- the finer details um but the figure drawing is bizarre it's, it's like beyond bizarre yes uh like even the even the characters that are quote unquote normal are very oddly proportioned right then there are some characters like the Sisters of Mercy or Sisters of Grace sorry um they come in. A variety of shapes and sizes, some of which may be twenty-five uh, feet tall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the, there's one that there's one know. that might be three feet three feet tall, five yeah. feet tall, eight feet tall, twenty feet tall. We don't know, but uh, you know, that again, whatever. But so, yeah, like, I could see things in the arcs that made me think, oh, this guy does kind of know what he's doing, uh, but. He's not really good at doing comics,
0: right? No, I I, I agree with that. Like there are things that he does where you can see this as an artist, but this is someone who does not understand sequential comic book.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, Doesn't or 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 point of view or figure drawing. Yeah, like, you know, like, the, like the perspective is way off in, in parts My like you said that God. that scene where she's pointing the gun at the guy is weird right. um but uh or or you know alternatively it could just be like so many artists back then it's like oh barry windsor smith's hot right now i'm just going to ape barry windsor smith and hopefully get a job and he did and didn't do it very well there's a lot um, so, of jack
0: kirby here too definitely
1: I don't know if
0: I want to go that far. Look at the, look um, at the some of the faces and the blocky tech and stuff.
1: All, all I see, like, I mean, certainly there's some weird blocky tech, but all of the faces to me read as Barry Windsor Smith. But yeah, I'm gonna give this a leave it. It's not very successful. Again, this is like, what are the what are the top five most popular things in comics right now? Okay, well, um, Valiant was hot. Uh, like we we're just coming off that wave of valiant so let's make a character that is a cross between time walker and exo man of war and eternal warrior i would say eternal warrior and exo man of war oh sorry yes i meant eternal warrior uh but time walker also immortal but um yeah uh eternal warrior and exo man of war yeah so check okay black axe um let's uh let's draw everything like the guy that draws solar man of the atom okay great yes perfect um and then uh people love Jack Kirby, right? Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, let's do okay. And and then it's it's just a it's just kind of a blobby mess. Um so yeah, it's it's not successful. Um I could see where they were going, how they what they were doing, how they were working, uh they just didn't do it. Yeah, no, it's it's not good. It's not
0: good. I would like to apologize for the rather poor taste of the previous item. Oh. Um excuse me please.
1: Alright, speaking of Death's Head Death's Head 2, number 1 $1.75, this one was uh, I believe also from 1992 one of the earlier waves of uh, one of the early wave of the books uh, it's written by Dan Abnett, uh, he, that's a name we recognize, Yes. drawn is. by Liam Sharp another we know name that we guy recognize, too. we love him
0: uh, Golden Beppo winner Liam Sharp,
1: that's right yeah, Golden Beppo winner, there you go. Liam Sharp uh Here is some background in the far flung future year of 2020 AD. That's right. And last year. (laughs) Yeah. This was during the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Which, you know what? Could be. Sure. An AIM cyborg called Minion was sent out through time and space to kill 106 of the deadliest individuals in the multiverse and assimilate their instincts uh it says this throughout <laughs> the book but i think they might mean like knowledge and abilities not i would instincts. assume so not like here's what they did when they got hungry <laughs> uh, uh, death, death's head has assimilated successfully assimilated your knowledge about when it's not a good idea to eat that second burrito right i don't know i guess <laughs> Uh, while on another mission, Minion encountered a future target, the bounty hunter, quote-unquote freelance peacekeeping agent Death's Head, who had been seeking to claim a bounty placed on Minion's victim. Angered at being beaten to his prey, Death's Head pursued Minion. Next, Minion eliminated the barbarian Ledrox Cavant and freed the precog Phaedra, who called him Death's head as she departed. So that's where he got, got his name. I'm not sure why, because at the, up to that point, she did not, ha- the robot Death's head was nowhere to be found. Moments after he returned to 2020, Minion was attacked by Death's head. Uh, remember, he's from the future, so now we've got a time-traveling Death's head one for some reason. Right. However, the peacekeeping agent was outmatched and swiftly assimilated. Since Death's head, was mechanical rather than organic. Minion absorbed his victim's entire mind as well as his abilities, and then started to behave like
0: the traditional Death's Head. You mean as well as his instincts? <laughs> yeah, his instincts. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, his food allergies. Right. Uh, Death's Head Two was the only Marvel UK book that I had even the slightest bit of secondhand knowledge of back in 1992, and I do mean slight. I knew two things. One that there was a death's head one. Right. And two, uh, that death's head two was a rebuilt version of the original or something like that. Maybe question mark. I don't know. Like I knew that something happened and that death's head one kind of became death's head two. Okay. Obviously I was only kind of sort of close and that's if you squint at it. <laughs> uh, Dan Abnett's script is pretty standard 90 stuff, though. It commits the same sin that 99% of these Marvel UK books do. It is needlessly complicated. There is literally no reason for this story to involve time travel. None, none. Especially when the story doesn't even tell you what era the main character travels to half the time. The dialogue is also a bit overblown in a pretty great way. Uh, Here is a quote from DH2 and the entire reason I brought up the whole exchange with the villain uh, Ledrox. Quote, word of advice, Ledrox never turn your back on a cranial disruption siphon End quote a <laughs> uh, baby faced liam sharp is on art here and though it's clear that he's still working on some stuff you can definitely see flashes of the brilliant artist he'll one day become uh, but even nearly 30 years ago his work is really strong very very good his character designs are great and death said too, while still very much a 90s artifact i have to admit looks pretty dang cool and the only other artist in the line that could pull off drawing him nearly this well back then was Brian Hitch. Uh, we Because he shows up in a, in several other books, and every time, he looks totally idiotic. Yeah. I went into Death Set 2 remembering it as this sort of 90s punchline and expecting it to be one of the weakest books that I read this episode. Uh, instead, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed myself. I'm giving this a, a buy it. Yeah. this. So you said that this
0: was needlessly complicated, but I would argue that a lot of British sci-fi can come off as needlessly complicated. Like a lot of people don't like Dr. Who for that very reason. So I, for some reason I forgive British sci-fi when it's needlessly complicated. But like
1: Dr. Who's whole deal is that he is a time traveler. Like there's, there's no reason for death's head Two to be a time traveling bounty hunter, especially when it kind of seems like, all of these characters that he's assassinating are within the same general vicinity sure. time-wise. But he like his is next target tra- is Reed
0: Richards. But he is a time-traveling bounty hunter. And you know why? Fair, yeah, because he's British and they want to give them some type of Doctor Who touchstone. Oh, and also we want to know that. Because we want him to be like Lobo as well, because Lobo was super hot at DC at the time. Sure. <laughs> I I really liked this. It was fun as hell, and it felt like old British sci-fi. And while it was very complicated, it didn't fall into the
1: same mistech morass with all this right. Yeah, like it it, wasn't. It was. It was overly complicated, but not in a way that I couldn't follow. Right.
0: Overly complicated by its own rules. I wasn't wondering where this started. I wasn't going, why are these characters being referenced here? Who are these characters? Why is any of this happening? Like, it's in space. He's a bounty hunter. He's a badass. It's kind of funny because he wasn't even who he was until he met a badass and killed him and then took his personality. <laughs> you know, i have given it a buy needlessly complicated let's talk about warheads number one this was written by nick vince with art by gary erskine the warheads are a tactical group of soldiers that work for mistech and from what i can tell leap through time and space to steal things mistech can sell for money each member of the team has a specialty there's the field leader colonel liger a gunner although everyone seems to have big guns, a psychic spotter, and some other members that do stuff and wear the most ridiculous multicolored armor you've ever seen.
1: (laughs) Everyone's got guns, but there's only one roadblock, right? Uh, You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I don't know. Also, they operate under the cover of a circus. In the
1: Amazon rainforest. <laughs> I, think just for the, I think just for that one particular mission.
0: No, It made it sound like they're there all the time. Not to me, I don't know. Here the team jumps to 1988 Australia where the X-Men were hiding out after passing through the siege perilous. One of the team members goes a little nuts, goes off book, maybe even AWOL, bumps into Wolverine and gets killed. This is where things get timey-wimey, because later in the story, Colonel Liger meets Wolverine in 1990 Madripoor. Keep in mind, this is Liger's past. He's a time traveler, and Wolverine remembers him from when he goes to the past from Liger's future, I think. Wolverine gives him a warning. I'm sure this builds to something in later issues. It kind of blew my head off in this one.
1: Basically, he's like, you've got to go back in time and make sure your parents kiss. You know, after the
0: obligatory Wolverine appearance because we've got to have him in the book to sell things, after that, we jump to the Amazon where the team is posing as a circus troop when not traveling time to murder and pillage. But it's very important that they don't change time. They mentioned that a couple of times, right, and apparently getting team members killed, killing people, and stealing things that doesn't change time <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We get to see the process of how they travel time space, but there's no explanation as to where the warheads are recruited from, why they want this job and where the hell they end up in the second half of this story, fighting interdimensional gods, monsters, or maybe a dragon. The art is bad in the first. No, the half. art is good. Time you out. are wrong. In the first half of this story, the art is so muddled with detail that the reader can't even tell what is happening in panels. Wolverine is almost unrecognizable when he pops up. And the way Erskine draws Liger's facial scars and the psychic scout's makeup is just absolutely bizarre. The second half of the story, the art suddenly cleans up a bit and actually looks pretty good. I would argue it's still way overdrawn and hard to follow in some spots. But something changes halfway through this issue where the art looks a lot better i don't know what it is the first three issues of marvel uk that i've read have all been starring Mystech, and at this point when i was reading i still didn't know what they do other than be evil and live forever oh and apparently sell stuff the warheads steal because the immortality isn't cheap Warheads is at least interesting when not bogged down in the weird art and you can tell that writer Nick Vince had plans for a larger story for the team. This book like the others just needed a little more background for me to care about a team of what appears to be immoral murderous thieves. (laughs) I'm giving this a skim it because there were some cool ideas here but again it was so needlessly complicated for a first issue. Just focus on one character. Tell me what you're doing. Follow the team a bit. Spell out their roles a little bit. And then we'll get into the weirdness of the time travel, why you do what you do. But this was just too much too fast.
1: Okay, so I disagree with you very much i loved this comic i thought it was excellent and i completely disagree about the art i don't think that it was bad at all i don't think it was bad in the beginning now i will grant you uh, this version of Wolverine is weird. God, like so the way terrible. he draws, the way he draws, draws Wolverine in costume is very strange. Um, but I think the art is very good. Uh, it's the same kind of good at the beginning as it is at the end. Gary Erskine is a very well-regarded, long-time British comic artist. I'm, he's I'm drawn, aware, and I've seen stuff. Like that he's really drawn liked a ton of stuff. Done. He drew the filth uh, with Grant Morrison. He's drawn a bunch of stuff with Garth Ennis. Like Gary Erskine is great and he's been around forever. This art is fantastic. So you're telling Um, me this
0: first spread page where they show everybody, you think this looks fantastic with the faces and the bizarre armor and the complete over detail. You're telling me you think that's a fantastic spread page. You like,
1: I mean, look, nothing's perfect, but I don't think it's bad. Man. Like the the art is the 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 character designs are complicated. They are wearing high-tech suits packed with armaments. So, yeah, they don't aren't they're not just wearing like they're tactical, they're soldiers. They don't just wear spandex outfits. I don't think their mission was confusing. The time travel thing makes sense to me in this context. They are supporting Mistech by plundering the time stream. For artifacts of of some value. No, I don't, I don't have a
0: problem with that. I don't. Re- I don't second. remember
1: that. I don't rem- Actually, think they
0: say that it's specifically for money. It's the second part of the story that I don't
1: understand. Um, the second part of the story again also makes. Oh well, okay, and again, it's not my first day reading comics. They were going. They were doing what they thought was a standard quantum leap jump back home or to their next destination. I guess their next destination. And yeah. And it they got waylaid in this like weird little limbo where these demons attacked them, like okay, great, and then it ends on a cliffhanger, so okay, fine i I really like this, like you mentioned the thing about the girl with the weird lip makeup, and yeah, I mean it is strange, yeah, and when it's not close up it's kind of hard to see what's going on, but right. she's got she's got a black rectangle painted over her mouth. So it look in a, in the distance shots. It just looks like she's got a huge gaping
0: robot. Right, and Liger has like a weird scar thing. Like he's got scars limp.
1: from from when Wolverine in the future gouged his face, or in the past, I guess, gouged his face off. But I thought this was very good. I loved the art. This is a buy it for me. So piggybacking off of the uh end of the Warheads review, let's talk about Code Name Genetics number 1. Uh again, this is first wave, $1. 75 was the cover price. It's written by Graham Marks and Andy Lanning with breakdowns by Andy Lanning and pencils by Phil Gascoin. Gascoin? Gascoin. Gascoin. All right. Background for you, the pasts of the members of Genetics are unknown. They were forcibly recruited into the genetic experiments of Dr. Una Malarkey for Genesis, the genetic research division of Miss Tech. See there, it's all like it's umbrella. It's It's all connected. During the mutation process, their original brain patterns and memories were buried under false memory implants. Throughout their training, control of the members was maintained via a combination of drugs and selective mind wipes. Eventually, they learned of Malarkey's true nature and goals and discover that all of their memories were false implants. Wishing nothing to do with the evils of Miss Tech. The genetics break free and strike out on, on their own. Spoiler alert, they do not show up in the big crossover next year, so I don't think they make it. Yeah, are they dead? Or... <laughs> They're barely in this comic. Wolverine's they are, this comic they are, more than they yes, are. <laughs> they definitely. They definitely are barely in this comic. Part of the fun for me this week has been in being introduced to a bunch of creators I've never heard of before, Sometimes it worked out, and sometimes it was codenamed genetics. (laughs) Graham Marx's script is just awful. Schlocky 90s stuff, poorly mimicking what was cool at the time. Oh, yeah. The premise, as usual, is, say it with me, overly complicated. They are teenagers. Why? They're also mind-wiped, but they've also been given fake memories, and they don't know it. Huh? Huh? And they've been genetically engineered and they wear armored suits and they might be mutants. Maybe <laughs> what? I also don't really understand their purpose. Right. Miss tech already has a team of super powered armor, wearing operatives, the warheads and the seem... sisters of whatever. Don't forget. Right. Them. And they seem way better at their jobs. Uh, additionally, our old friend, Una, looks exactly the same as a different mad scientist from the late seventies that was experimenting on mental patients in the flashback scene in this issue. Jesus! So I can't even tell what's happening. Here. I guess I thought that was Una. I didn't nope. realize. It no, was no flashback. they call her, they call her Ms. Teak T I Q U uh, E like in MS period. T I Q U E Ms. Barf. <laughs> yeah. Right. The art here is not great. Unfortunately, even with an assist from Andy Lanning, who uh, I remember got getting his start as an inker, so he did the breakdowns. Uh, the designs are bland, the figure drawing is bizarre, and even the coloring is lackluster. Uh, it is a shame, because like with Black Mask and the other books we mentioned this week, there are moments here and there where I can see that Phil Gascon uh, has talent, uh, but just maybe he just wasn't a fit for comics. Or he was trying too hard to match a popular aesthetic i think that's what it was i think i i I think it's the second one i think a lot of these people were told you need to
0: draw exactly like this yes and they went i don't draw like that and they went do you want the job and they went yes
1: please i need to to, yeah (laughs) margaret thatcher is still prime minister and things are very bad uh bad story bad art and a group of completely forgettable characters that serve as far as i can tell literally zero purpose yeah code name genetics gets a leave
0: it it's terrible that's exactly where i was it was like why are we doing this you already have like four super groups that do this job and yeah, do like, this job better we just met a group of girls that can kick the shit out of
1: black axe any day they want to why right. do you need these assholes <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like i i will say this uh the one thing to codename genetics as credit is i really don't feel the need to discuss it any further because i literally just said Everything you need to know. Right. Like, there's no point to read this comic. No, it was it was just garbage. It's a leave it.
0: My final Marvel UK book. Thank God. It's Motor Mouth number one. This was also ninety three. So second wave, I guess. Written by Graham Marks whose name is all over these with art by uh,
1: Graham Marks also wrote code genetics. Yeah. I think that was the first time that was the only other time we saw his name this week with art by Gary Frank. Yeah. Harley Davis was orphaned at age
0: 11 and grew up Harley a, Davis. Yeah. Get the fuck out of town and grew up as part of a gang that lived in the East end of London back when it was hard before it was completely gentrified. Harley was nicknamed Motormouth because of her penchant for bad language, which leads me to believe that a motor mouth means something different in the UK than it does in the States.
1: So <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's the bad language. Also uh, the fact that she doesn't shut up. Oh, well, which is more traditionally what a motor mouth is. Later,
0: she was discovered by Larson with two A's, an agent of Mystech. Harley was a candidate for his Moped, M-O-P-E-D, mind-operated <laughs> personal dematerialization technology. Now you're saying, Matt, where does the E come in? Well, they went ahead and
1: capitalized the
0: E in personal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got, a,
1: you, got a, you, got, you got a twofer with that, with that P, with that uh, third word. This
0: allowed people to jump between alternate realities. The moped unit was disguised as a pair of high top sneakers, which sure. Harley found, tried on, and was promptly teleported to a different reality where Rome never fell and Italians rule the world by controlling fashion. Yeah. Here, they're fashion police. I love it. They're fashion police. Watch out for furs fashion underground revolutionaries now this is just two of about 60 acronyms that they drop into this book
1: like there are conservatively at i would say at least like at least six different uh, things that are abbreviated. I'll bet it's north of nine. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the, like, which, uh, si- like six, you might say that doesn't sound like a lot. Right. It is a lot for one whole oh, comic Got book. It. Yeah. The story also features Nick
0: Fury working in the background to investigate Mistech and find out why they are after Motormouth. This was the first title that I read that spelled out any of the Mistech mission and why they do their thing. It gave a clear origin for the main character. The script is cheeky, to borrow a British phrase, and leans into Harley's dirty mouth and the absurd fashion police future, but it also does a nice job of explaining Mistech, their time-hopping tech. Sounds like Larson was working on this tech for the Warheads, possibly, because their way of doing it was either expensive or just kind of sucked, I don't know. (laughs) And establishing why Nick Fury knows these baddies and wants to stop them. Young Gary Frank looks great on art here, although his pencils here are very school of 90s Jim Lee more so than the amazing style he would develop later. I can't say I love the main character and choosing a girl with teleporting shoes that later develops a sonic scream based on different tech she finds is certainly an original choice for a hero, (laughs) but this felt more like a marvel comic than any of the other titles i read i'll say that i'm giving this a skim it like it was a successful first issue origin spelling out a little bit of what's going on in this bonkers marvel uk idea yeah i mean
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's true i don't know what order these were released like it says 90 it may have said 93 but it also could have been like january of that year it, it right. could have been early on but motormouth is also one of the marvel uk books that i was aware of because uh not too many years after this gary frank would go on to draw uh the incredible hulk right uh with peter david and motormouth and killpower would guest star
0: in a couple of issues i was just looking that up incredible hulk volume 1 number 409 and i got to say motormouth way more attractive on this cover than she is in her actual book.
1: Yeah, and uh, we just, as we have just discovered, it is the same, well, no, Motor Mouth probably came out in 92, right? Or at the beginning of 93? This is
0: 93. And it's um, the same year, and the 1993. You came out also
1: in 93?
0: Yeah, I don't get it.
1: Well, you know, he learned how to... I, I blame the production values. I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know the right answer. Maybe, the, 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 maybe produ- it was Cam the production Smith's
0: inking. I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> but I think it. he was the inker of his incredible Hulk run as well.
0: No, what I'm saying? Cam Smith thinking was the good one on incredible. Hulk.
1: No camp, but Cam Smith also inks motor mouth.
0: Oh, so, then, I, then there's no excuse. And oh, I see. No
1: motor mouth. Number one came out June, 1992. So, so a year um, later, he just got this much better. <laughs> well, he's not that much better. He's just better. And the production values are better. The, the production values, better. Yeah. The the paper's better.
0: Oh, no question. No, um,
1: question. like these Marvel UK books, they are kind of garbage in terms of like how they're made. Um, that's
0: one thing that we have not mentioned up until now. It's like the production on them just looks it's cheap. cheap. Yeah. They, they look cheap, the cheapest.
1: Uh, but I mean, you know, back, back then comics were still being printed on newsprint. So I, that's true. I think that these, like these do have like color gradients and stuff. So they were using computer coloring, uh, or at least the the current kind of early stages of computer coloring, but it didn't look good compared to Uh, American comics. New. And, yeah, I mean, you know, a year's a long time for an artist if you're drawing nonstop I every guess. day for, you know. That's true. But, that uh, is true. But, yeah. Uh, so that's where I uh, was introduced to a lot of uh, all of my knowledge of Motor Mouth and Kill Power. And so I think that that was probably a, a fun little treat for Gary Frank to get to draw them again.
0: Give me a rating but, for uh, Motor Mouth number one. Uh,
1: this was a buy it. I thought this was the most successful of all of the Marvel UK books uh, this week, even though we do have one to go, um, this one read like a first issue. It actually felt like it It felt like a British sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Like, it felt like it could have been an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and not that, like, Doctor Who is obviously not the only piece of british pop culture
0: but it's the only uh, piece it, of british pop culture that we know very well,
1: well but <laughs> aside also, from it, it, monty python talking about you know time travel <laughs> and alternate timelines sure. it, like, it, it, it fits right into that slot but yeah it this this felt like a british marvel comic and i really liked it it's a buy-in for me Okay, as I said, our final review of the week goes to Miss Tech Wars. Number one, it's $1.75. It's presented by Paul Neary. Remember, he was the editor in Cheese of uh, Marvel UK. This was Neary's
0: PS de resistance for the Marvel UK. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Uh, I guess. Yeah, he marched off into the sea after He did, yes. Uh, the story's by Dan Abnett. Uh, here's that guy's name again. Uh, the artist by Brian Hitch, a young Brian Hitch. Here's some background for you in 987 AD the seven leaders of the arcane sect of Cassidim or Chazidim. Chazidim.
0: Are they, Chazidim. Yeah. they were they Chazidim. all worshipped a god named chaz as i recall yeah we <laughs> Yeah, i mean
1: you guys haven't heard of it we're really into chazism uh they bargained their souls they no they made a bargain with the demon lord mephisto gaining power and immortality and they have to feed him a steady supply of souls their own souls pff, because, hey, why not? They were bound to, to the fabric of all of reality such that slaying them could destroy all of existence. To fulfill their quota, the cultists were involved in numerous plots of mass destruction, including plagues, Nazi experiments, etc. Bad, bad By the Mot Yeah. By the modern era, they had formed Miss Tech, a multi-million dollar military industrial empire based on bio-occult research and development, covertly seeking world domination. Now, their centuries-old plans have come to fruition, and the Mistech Wars have begun. As you have no doubt come to learn through these reviews, Marvel UK had a big subplot running through all of their books for the first year, the shady techno-mystical Mystics' efforts to conquer death and rule the world.
0: So much so that I don't care if we ever talk about them again, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we,
1: we read a lot of Mystics stuff. I have had my here. fill, <laughs> so... <laughs> Here, it all comes to a head as the board is finally ready to execute their master plan. Nick Fury knows something bad's going down, but S.H.I.E.L.D. refuses to back him for some reason. Typical. So he gets himself captured, taking matters into his own hands. That's what you gotta do. I mean... (laughs) All right, right? right, fine. If you're you're Nick Fury, that's what what you're gonna do. You guys don't want to look into
0: it? Well, then I'm gonna walk through their front door. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs)
1: Meanwhile, Miss Tech is using unearth their weird little voodoo doll version of the planet so to attack their enemies around the globe. Like it is so literally, it's a it little Earth. A, it's like a little Earth. I mean, it's not like it's not like you know pocket size or no it's, it's not like, baby size it's, it's like a, it's like big like a car or a house but it's not as big as the earth but it's an earth also, voodoo doll it is literally earth it is an earth voodoo, voodoo doll. doll yeah they, they they go down into the cavern into their secret unearthed cave and they poke unearth with a stick and something happens somewhere yeah. luckily america's greatest heroes the avengers the x-men the fantastic four x factor the hulk and x force are here to stop them <gasps> Oh, and the Marvel UK characters are here as well. Yeah, they are such an afterthought. They really are. They kind of are. And and quite
0: honestly, if they were never, you know, willed into existence or whatever, X-Factor, the Hulk, X-Force, the X-Men, the Avengers, they would have been just fine
1: handling this. Yeah, I mean, I'm going (laughs) to really, uh, I mean, to be fair, I have not read the entire uh, miniseries, but. I'm sure Hell's Angel did something very important to stop uh, it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I think Kill... I think kill power farts on on earth. I'm and it, sure it deflates yes. for all the shit we've talked to this episode. One thing Marvel UK did really well is plant the seeds of this story along the way all through the entire year. It's mistech this, the board that Mephisto Mystech, Unearth. like the entire year in almost every book.
0: Yeah. Ad nauseum. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, no, we only read the first issues of all these. books. I, I, I got sick of it just in the first issues. So. I get it. We, we also read them all in like two days. That's true. But so, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't say that they didn't have this plan from the start. No. Uh, The art by Brian Hitch is really excellent. You can see why he was quickly shuffled over to more high profile U.S. titles. Not too long after this. Uh, It is not without its faults, but it's great fun seeing how far he's come over the years. This was the book I was most excited to read this week because I wanted to see how the line all came together for their first big event after the first year. It wasn't the most successful of the books. I, I'm giving that to Motormouth. but I do have to say that this book totally delivered for me. I think this was great fun, and I'm giving Miss Tech Wars Number One a buy it. I thought
0: the art was really good. I thought the Brian Hitch '90s art, like legit, looks good. It is good. It's it's not the Brian Hitch we know today. It's still very no, 90s And like there and are, there are
1: certainly there are certainly some moments where you're like, oop, that that panel got away from right, me. Right, definitely. But, I mean, like, overall, like, this is a gorgeous-looking comic.
0: Yeah, and it was a fun 90s Marvel crossover. I mean, sadly, I don't even know if it's these characters' fault. But when you put them in a crossover like this, it just becomes really apparent that they're just not as good of characters as everybody else that is here in the book, you know, they're just, well, not. I mean, the, and that's, you know,
1: that's kind of the curse, right? Right. right. The, they're outmatched. You, you want, it's
0: like, you, it's like you're an actor in a movie wanna, with an, a, with an Oscar award winning actor that delivers this sure. amazing performance. And you're like, Oh yeah. And he was in it too.
1: Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, uh, it's not the fault of
0: Marvel. You, UK. you want to, you want
1: to, yeah. Like Marvel UK. i um, like, they, they're mainly known throughout the eighties for being a, a company that are uh, division that did reprint books right. other than like transformers and, and whatnot uh captain britain and so when they were like yeah we want to start off our we want to kick off our own like little corner of the marvel universe it's going to be set in england they're going to be british characters and like that's great but nothing they created is going to hold up to anything that stan and jack created.
0: no and that, that's just it like maybe just do your little british thing and and tell your british story and don't bring in all this other stuff i get it you're I trying to it, sell I it i think
1: maybe like Uh, And and again, like that's the, that's the catch 22. It's like, you're kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't, because you want the book to take place in the Marvel universe. But also anytime you bring in Wolverine or Captain America or the Avengers or everybody in the Marvel universe, as in this issue, um, that's what people are going to care about. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah.
0: Again, not the fault of this book. This is what this book was supposed to do. I get that. But I can, I can only give it a it because of it. I'm sorry. I'm just so annoyed by these characters. You're penalizing the book for things that aren't its fault. I absolutely am. And I think it's just because I'm so mad at these dumb characters. Just like every great reviewer. <laughs> hey, it's the past. We're not going to hurt Paul Neary's feelings. Thanks. I'm sure he made a million bucks on this deal.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, a million bucks. <laughs> that's eight comics reviewed from marvel uk's 90s british invasion or as they say in england eight comics matt what are your thoughts on marvel's limey stepchild and what was your favorite read from the pile i dare do i even dare ask if you have a favorite (laughs) and what is the issue for good or for ill that goes into the THN permanent collection?
0: I guess the issue that I would put in the permanent collection, I guess, is gonna go to Motormouth just because I think it was the one that was at least fun and told a complete story. And I like Gary Frank, you know, <laughs> I guess that's my answer. It's What's yours? And then we'll talk about our feelings at Marvel UK altogether.
1: All right. Uh, you know, I'm kind of bouncing between a few. Um, I wanted to give it to Warheads just to spite you. I know, I know. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, Death Head 2 I liked better than I thought. Uh, yeah, Mystic you know what? Wars- I take
0: it back. Death Head 2, because it stood alone all by itself. I'm going Death's Head 2.
1: You know what? That's fair. Uh that's fair. I'm gonna give it to Death's Head 2 as well. Even though Motormouth, you didn't need to know all that stuff in right. advance about Mistech. they just happened to be there. Yes. Um Death said Death's Head 2 was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, and Liam Sharp, uh whew, man. Still still great, even Hell in yeah. 1992. So
0: Marvel Marvel UK, like I talked a lot of smack about this, but I don't think it's Marvel UK's fault. I think Paul Neary was given the job of literally shoehorning characters in to the Marvel universe. And some of them were so inherently maybe British or coming from, you know, informed British fiction or whatever that they just don't work in the Marvel universe.
1: No, I mean, so I, am not going to say that they don't work, but I will say that perhaps there is a cultural barrier. Yes. That we um, have not, uh, that, that, We couldn't surpass in the way we could with books like Captain Britain and MI-13, which is also very British. Right. Or even Alan Moore's Captain Britain, which was very British, was
0: Marvel UK and told a story that took place in the UK with Captain Britain that felt very still Marvel informed, Marvel inspired, but very British. You know, like it just worked. Well, I think Marvel if, couldn't get Alan Moore to write anything else for Marvel UK. So. <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, the point being is I think the only thing that they were guilty of was trying to invade the American Marvel universe. <laughs>
1: That's I, I, their biggest fall. I think fall. that this is something I think that this is something that if they were to try again today with today's sensibilities, yes. today's uh, talent pool, today's production values, Uh, I think it would be much more successful. Now, like these books came out before the, the bust, but um, all they also are like, so cemented in a very. mm, Busty. (laughs) Busty time. In a very (laughs) non quality era of comic books. Um, And I'm sure that there are lots of people out there that were fans of these books. And there's not a thing wrong with it. We love Rob Liefeld's X-Force and new mutants. Like, we all had those things we loved when we were a kid. Um, And some of these books were good, but there was just something about the execution on a lot of these where uh, it kind of fell down for me.
0: Also in, in their defense, this was a time when Marvel was flailing Marvel. Like I was, I picked up uh, Jason, our buddy, Jason Sachs, his comic book history of the nineties. And I just read this portion, like where, what was Marvel UK doing? And there was a very small part about Marvel UK, but it was more about how Marvel realized, Oh crap. We have literally lost our hold on, you know, the market share Europe and we've lost. No, not even Europe, just the market share period. We've lost it to Valiant. We lost it to Malibu. We lost it to like a DC, DC image, Dark Horse image. Everybody launched a superhero universe. And so Marvel went, put everything out, literally put everything out and marvel yeah, uk was yeah. one of the things that they threw against the wall oh i see, what see what what yeah stick. i mean
1: yeah this did this did come out at a time where every company was trying to launch their own superhero, yeah. because it were, were hot on like marvel and dc obviously were already a thing and then everybody that anybody cared about that's an exaggeration but you know what i mean all of the big names from marvel were like screw you guys we're taking our ball and we're going home and they formed their own company and Everybody in the comic industry was like, well, shit, we have to do that. And yeah. so that's when you, you got, like, Comics Greatest World from Dark Horse. You yep. got the Valiant Universe. Valiant got, got, all got kinds real of hot. Defiant. <laughs> like, all uh, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Defiant. Like, Defiant was a, yeah. They were there. Uh, but like, but there was also, like, Neil Adams had his, uh, his own company oh, yeah. called Continuity Comics. And, uh, like, they published the Bucky O'Hare comic. There you go. When I was a kid. Um, but, yeah, and, and so the market was flooded with these wannabe superhero universes that and none of them uh, other than image caught on none of them pretty much and uh even image you know after a number of years we're like this doesn't work we can't sustain this we need to like diversify and start they're like oh crap we need to hire writers yeah well it wasn't <laughs> just that it wasn't just that but it's like we need to put out we need to put out other genres right. than busty superhero fiction And uh, yeah, so like this was a thankless time for Marvel UK to try to launch an entire new line within their already existing line. And then try to sell them not only in Europe, but also to America who were already being spread thin and buying their comics. Like it's it's a yeah, it it was tough. And
0: there was backlash on the on the UK side, too, where they were like. Look, we this isn't what we want to read, you know. Like, sure, you don't try and make these comics 2000 A.D. and then tell us 2000 A.D. fits in the Marvel universe. I read that for a different thing, you know. Well, and maybe, (laughs) and
1: maybe that's the you know we maybe we misidentified the problem. Then maybe we were maybe it wasn't that these comics were too British because that's kind of a silly thing to say. Uh, and I don't think any of them were especially like culturally. No, shocking. No,
0: not like that. Just um, the way they were in I, I think
1: that maybe they tried to make these comics too American. Yeah, well, it just—I mean, look, it just depends which country you're looking and at. And the uh, like the audience for '90s American hero comics is not the same everywhere. And yeah, it just—it didn't work. They tried, it didn't work. And within a couple of years, Marvel UK was gone. But hey, we got motor mouth and kill power out of it. There you go. If we nothing got else tech, we got the techno wizards the secret board of of immortal old people the sect of chazism uh sold their souls and got sexy new superhero bodies at the end of the mistech wars and became a super villain
0: i have just muted joe patrick he doesn't know it but uh, nobody needs to know about this
1: <laughs> come on you coward
0: <laughs> coward If you want to know more about these comics, check out our show notes where you can find links to all the books we discussed. And if you want to read along with THN, you can find each episode's review list on our Twitter and our Facebook weekly on Tuesdays on Tuesdays. Also, let us know what you thought about these comics or anything you read this week on our live call-in show, THN, cover to cover this Saturday on Facebook Live from 11 to noon Central Time.
1: Matt, I'd say it's nice to be back in the states, but judging by the headlines, I may have been happier in '90s England.
0: Yeah, that place Regardless, sucked,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. God. Regardless, the mole men have stocked the D.H.N. Sanctum Sanctorum with uh, Cruncheritas and Dr. Pepper to welcome us home. With some American food. God damn it. I told them I wanted the new Doritos Locos Cheesy Gordita Crunch and they (laughs) failed me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, they're fungus. What do you expect? I
1: know, it's true. This
0: podcast is not sponsored by Taco Bell. No, it is not.
1: (laughs) Please just eat one to be polite and tell the nerds about your must read pick for next week while you're at it. Oh, barf. My pick for next week is Radio
0: Apocalypse. Number one is from Vault. It is $3.99. It's written by Ram V with art by Anad RK. I love it. Wow, boy, oh boy. Yeah, we're (laughs) sticking with the initials. Here's your solicit. Long after the rock out of space struck the world and turned it all to dust, in Bakerstown stands the last radio station on the planet. Radio Apocalypse, broadcasting into the unknown, a beacon in the dark for those who wander the lost places. Now, change is coming to Bakerstown among the refugees flocking into an already precarious settlement. An orphan boy named Ryan, caught in an indiscretion, will twine his fate with the radio stations, Like Orion, get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. R-I-O-N, yeah. And in doing so, begin this mixtape of love and heartbreak and interminable hope. This soundtrack to the end. This. Yeah, it just says, this soundtrack to the end of the world. I think it's supposed to be this is the soundtrack. Yeah, I think you're probably right. That's <laughs> my guess. Trust your, trust your instincts on that. I love Ram V. He's one of my favorite writers right now. Coming up, the guy is awesome. But I have this soft spot for comics about music which is bizarre because yeah. i cannot think of a worse medium to, to take on music than comic books
1: well it depends you know it's like if, if it's like i don't know man you could be blind and listen to music <laughs> you know? no right but i mean right but the comics about music they're about like what the music means sure right? like murder sure. murder falcon is about uh, the power of music of and course how it moves you and i loved it because uh, of that even that, you know? that tweet phonogram shit that you love is i about, loved it Brit pop sorcery and but um, it makes you think differently about music that's what I sure and I mean I've, I'm kidding I've never read it. it lots of people like it my pick for next week is Superman son of kal number five from DC Comics it's written by Tom Taylor art by John Timms it's three ninety nine. Here, it's your solicit faster than fate as powerful as hope able to lift us all for all his great power John Kent can't save everyone but that won't stop him from trying How much can Earth's new Superman do before this man of steel buckles? And when he does, who swoops in to save Superman? Joe Patrick, you might be asking, why are you just picking a random issue of Superman, Son of Kal-El? You've already reviewed the first one. This is the one we find out he's queer, right? Yeah, this is the (laughs) one where he gets as a boy. He gets as a boy in it. Uh, Yeah, I picked this one because... I want to say, suck it to the haters. Uh, No, I think it's great. I can't wait to read it. It's an important comic. It's an important moment. And um, I'm super excited about it. I love Tom Taylor. I think John Timms is a great artist. I think this book is great. I'm four issues. I'm caught Same. up. It's great. Now, I'm only caught
0: up because issue five is so late, but that was supply chain stuff. That's not anybody's yeah, fault. Yeah,
1: supply chain stuff. You know. Kaizen Gomorrah I mean, is
0: the we, villain, which is freaking crazy. We agree it's Biden's fault, but... <laughs> right?
1: Yes, it's definitely... Yeah. Joe Biden was like, no more paper, guys. Makes all it says. No more paper. You can't have any. Uh, but no, yes. Um, part of me is picking it just to be just to be uh, petty. But yes, I think that this is a, a, a milestone uh, for a comic, uh, I like, uh, he's not the real Superman, whatever. Um, but he is the character that is currently serving as Superman. It's true. And to see that kind of representation in the pages of my comics is a good thing. It's and important. I, uh I think it's awesome.
0: The THN trade of the week goes to Wants and Future Book One, the deluxe edition. Now Christmas is coming, and I've put this on my Amazon list. So I'm just throwing that out there. This is from Boom, it is $59.99, it's written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Dan Mora. I would also add, I've been very good this year. Here's your solicit. What if all the legends are true? Retired monster hunter Brigitte McGuire knows that they are, and when a group of nationalists uncover the fabled Scabbard of Excalibur in order to bring King Arthur back from the dead to reclaim England, she will be the only one who can stop them. In order to do so, she'll need to pull her unsuspecting academic grandson, Duncan, into a deadly world of myth and prophecy. Their quest will lead them to confront the complicated history of their family confront the deadly secrets of England's past and throw the other world into shambles, allowing for new legends and characters to make their appearance and bring a world of trouble along with them. The definitive collection of the first three story arcs of the Eisner Award-nominated series by New York Times best-selling author Kieran Gillen who worked on The Wicked and the Divine and Russ Manning Award winner Dan Mora, who's currently doing detective comics and kicking ass on it for the first time in a single deluxe hardcover. So, these hardcovers are super sexy. They're big, oversized, could have the first three hardcovers in them, come with all kinds of extra stuff. They're doing one for uh, Something is Killing the Children, and they're all sexy as hell. If you have not read Once in Future, this is a rad way to do so. And if you have read it, I would still pick this up.
1: Want to read these comics? Good news, nerds. All you have to do is pre order them from your local comic shop, and they will be waiting in your profile. Not the Marvel UK stuff. They came out 30 years ago, yeah, so, you know, yeah. that's not really how that works. But I bet if you
0: were to buy back issues of these, your retailer might kiss you on the mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Cosmic long Box works in mysterious ways. We yeah. can't guarantee you what'll happen.
0: Excelsior! Excelsior! That is it for THN 643. Next week, we are back to the filthy business of reviewing new comics. And for a Patreon extra, we'll be playing Ask a Nerd, and it's all about comic book TV shows. It'll be super awesome. If you want to rap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerdy news that we're following, you can find that information on Facebook. Hit us up on our live call-in show, THN Cover to Cover, every Saturday at 11 Central Time posted on our Facebook page. And do not forget about our new question of the week.
1: This week's question was submitted by The Nomad via the THN forums. Quote, So I was thinking of how great standing pillars of truth, justice, etc. that most superheroes are. However, we don't always think about the time they made a mistake, ranging from them losing their job, ending relationships, and sometimes even costing innocent lives. Which particular moment do you remember where the hero or protagonist of a book just done messed up
0: like that time spider-man brought brownies with peanuts in them to the party and speed
1: oh man yeah bad news everybody knows he's got a peanut allergy (laughs) come on please keep your question of the week suggestions coming uh we do this uh uh, every week if we can as often as we can you can call us at 402-819-4894 or join us on zoom by clicking on the link in our facebook live video chat on saturdays And if you can't be there live, shoot an mp3 to two-headednerd at gmail.com or leave a message on that uh, hotline number I just mentioned. And we will make you internet famous, just like Bryce Satran, who inspired this week's theme for the Cosmic Long Box. Thanks a whole hell of a lot, Bryce.
0: We had a great time. If you're new to the show and you would rather put on some kicky high tops and be transported to any other world but this one rather than listen anymore i assure you it's only because you have not heard enough the good news is you can hear the entire round thn in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com thn is a listener supported podcast and you are the listener it would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, Scott Evil. We'll take his evil money. We don't give a shit. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash 2 nerd, where you will hear all kinds of exclusive content, or you can just make a one-time donation via PayPal for shits and giggles because you just like putting joy in the universe, you
1: crazy person. I love it. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to longtime friend of the show, Alan White, a.k.a. New Mutant on Twitter. Alan is the creator of a great indie comic called The Power Principle, which has been a labor of love for decades. The Kickstarter for his long-awaited Director's Cut Volume 2 just ended this week, and it was fully funded. Word to you, buddy. Congrats. You deserve it. You work hard on that shit. You get that get that paper. Get us a copy
0: so we can review it and spoil it for people which is exactly why Alan doesn't listen to our show anymore. He says we spoil too much stuff. But hey. Well, least, we, well we do. We're mad we, about we it. We love you regardless you beautiful bastard. Until next time true believers remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just swap them all out with British comics that you can't even read because what are those people even saying? I don't even know. This is a 2 nerd. Signing off. Signing off.
1: Signing off. <laughs> signing off. <laughs> I can't believe we made that. We went the whole show without doing that. I'm also, so proud of you. we didn't make a single bangers and mash. We joke. didn't. Not one. I kept them all out.
0: You know why? Not a racist.